ago, I read something in Word for Today, which has just stuck with me. Because in the Old Testament, the Israelites called God Jehovah, a name that they thought of as being inexplicable and incommunicable. Remember when Moses was at the, the burning bush and he met with God and he asked God what was his name and God said, I am. It doesn't really tell you much about them really, does it? Just I am. But the name means the self-existing one. He was before all things, the creator of all things, an awesome but seemingly unknowable being. However, God, in his grace and mercy, wanted to, people to know him in a personal way. So in scripture, he added seven titles to the name Jehovah to help us to understand and to relate to him. God wants to be known, and his desire is for a relationship with each one of us. Now, I wonder how many of you can remember the Tom Hanks film, Castaway. In the film, he is a FedEx delivery man, and they had this motto that they would always get through. However, the FedEx plane crashes in the sea, and Tom is alone on a desert island. Now, one of the things washed ashore is a basketball with the name Wilson, that's the manufacturer's name, on it. So Tom paints a face on the ball, attaches some hair to it, and Wilson becomes his one companion. He talks to Wilson all the time, sharing his feelings to keep himself sane. Eventually, he builds a raft, and he fastens Wilson securely to the mast, and they have to survive huge waves to get out into the open sea as they leave the, the, the island, you know, there's these huge breakers. So all the time, he's encouraging himself by shouting to Wilson, hang on there, Wilson, keep going, we can make it. Come on, Wilson, till they get out to open seas. But there's a point in the film before Tom is rescued where Wilson goes overboard and he bobs away out of reach. And Tom is just devastated as he watches Wilson drift away. And I remember feeling quite emotional at the film, you know, years ago. And I'd say, Heather, it's a ball. You know, it's not a real person. It's an inanimate object. But somehow, when something has a name, it assumes personality. Now, perhaps you had a toy when you were a child that you gave a name to. And it, it sort of had a bit more of a personality. Well, mine were no more by their, their physical attributes rather than their, their personality, because I had Fat Panda and Thin Panda. Now, Fat Panda had a rather jolly face, but he died young because his stuffing came out. <laughs> Thin Panda was a nightdress case, so unless it had pyjamas in him, he was very thin. So you can see he has survived. <laughs> now, Fat Panda was jolly, but Thin Panda has a very sad face. I think he might be a candidate for the repair shop, to be honest. <laughs> but there you go. And it's not just objects, not just inanimate objects. Last year, my husband decided he would try watching the garden birds. So he built this lovely little bird table, you know, with a little roof on, and he bought a book on garden birds and, and some binoculars. And the first morning, he put the seed out and he sat at the window ready. Well, there was a magpie, three crows, two wood pigeons, and a rat. So it's not quite what he had hoped for. And after that, 
early morning since then, it's been one wood pigeon. He obviously likes the food that's on offer. I wouldn't think that wood pigeons would have been the more dominant bird, but he doesn't let anybody else in the age, doesn't share. So I named him Pie. So it's pigeon pie. And he comes, he knows the time, because he comes at the same time every morning. And you see, because he has a name, he's different to other birds. I know him. And he seems to have assumed personality, although not much, because I don't think pigeons have much of a personality. So God added names to I am to help the people to know him and understand more about him, because names make a difference. The first one we find in scripture is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. This is found in Genesis 22, and this is where Abraham was called to sacrifice his son Isaac. In verses 7 and 8 it says, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. But as we know, Abraham was God was testing Abraham's faith. So he didn't actually have to go through with it. He didn't have to sacrifice. So we'll read again in verses 13 and 14. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So that name tells us something about the nature of God. God will provide. <coughs> when Colin and I both lost our jobs, there was a period of time where Colin was waiting for his retirement pension and I was retraining, so we lived on unemployment benefit. Now, I can truly say that the Lord provided for us in amazing ways throughout that time. Yes, we did lose our home, and yes, we had to learn to live more economically, but we always had enough to get by. And I'm sure that there are other people here today who could speak of God's provision, especially in times of crisis. The second name that we'll come across, it's a bit of a whistle-stop tour this today, is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals. And we'll find this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, where the Israelites are wandering, having escaped from Egypt, they're now wandering in the desert. And God said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now Jesus healed many people during his time on earth. And I believe that he still heals today. And it's always right to pray and ask. Thirdly is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. It's from Exodus chapter 17. Now Joshua and his army were in a battle with the Amalekites. Moses was praying. He was lifting his hands to God while Joshua fought on the ground. When Moses got tired, he sat down on a rock, but Aaron and Hur supported him and held his hands up for him until the battle was won. Verse 15 we read, Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. So let us not forget that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. 
So, you know, let's not forget to go on praying for people, especially the people of Ukraine at this time, who are up against such terrible, evil forces. Fourthly, Psalm 23, verse 1, Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. Think for a moment of what a shepherd does. Leading and guiding and feeding and protecting. All through life, the Lord is our shepherd, till we go through that valley of the shadow of death, and even then, he is with us. And, and please pray for our church leaders as well as they shepherd us and seek God's guidance for the future of the church. And if needed, his provision of finance for the renovation of the chapel building. Then, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace, from Judges chapter 6. Here we read that the Israelites had wandered from the Lord. So he handed them over to the Midianites, their enemies, for seven years. Eventually, they came to their senses, realized where they'd gone wrong, and cried out to God for mercy. That was all he was waiting for. Because of his great compassion and mercy, their prayers were heard. The Lord called a young man called Gideon to raise up an army and fight against the enemies. Gideon was not a warrior, and he lacked confidence. But God always chooses the weak things of this world in order to demonstrate his power. Gideon was scared. He didn't really believe he would be able to do what God had asked him to do. He was really frightened. And then we read in verse 23 and 24. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. Now have you ever felt that the Lord was calling you to do something that was a bit scary? Lex talked to us a few weeks ago about his initial nervousness about going out on the streets to share the gospel. But in spite of his fears, he goes and other people are blessed. Terry spoke to us last week about fear. But get hold of this. The Lord is our peace. Nothing can separate us from his love. Certainly, when the Lord called my husband and I to go to Africa with mercy ships, I was very nervous, not knowing what to expect. And very much out of my comfort zone, I can only say I was scared, but I was willing to go. And now, looking back, I think it was one of the best years of my life. And then, in Jeremiah 23, in verse 6. Now, this is a hard one to say. I think it's Jehovah Shekinu, but I, I have arthritis in the wrist, so I find it difficult to type. So one of my grandsons gave me a laptop that you can speak to, you dictate to it, and it prints what you say, but obviously with the Jordy accent, it doesn't always pick up correctly what you say. <laughs> so when I said, should Kano, it came out, Sid's canoe, so I'm not quite sure. So I'm saying, you know, why he's got a canoe, but there you go. But that means, the Lord is our righteousness. In chapter 23, verses five and six are pretty about the coming of the Lord Jesus. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. But what does righteousness mean? It's living a holy, upright lifestyle and it comes from a word meaning straightness. We would need to be perfect to have a relationship with the Holy God. And I don't know about you, but I am certainly far from perfect. 
The good news is, I don't have to earn my salvation. I don't have to be good enough to qualify. Jesus is my righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. David Andre wrote about a steamer on Lake Champlain. When it first left dry dock, the machinery was perfect. The crew were well trained. The passengers were enthusiastic for the main voyage. But something went wrong with the steamer's engine. And the captain ordered the anchor to be lowered because they were drifting towards the rocks. But in spite of the anchor, they continued to drift. Fortunately, the fault was found and repaired. Later, it was discovered that the anchor chain was three feet too short to touch the bottom of the lake. It fell short of what was required to anchor the boat securely. And he goes on to say, this is what it's like for people who claim to be righteousness, to be righteous apart from Jesus' death and resurrection. You know, thinking they're doing lots of good things, thinking that they have their anchor to keep them safe from an eternity in hell, hoping to please God by obeying the rules. Jeremiah had the answer. He pointed people to God, the Lord who is our righteousness. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain <coughs> where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. There's an old song which goes, I am covered over with a robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with a robe of righteousness and Jesus lives in me. What a joy it is to know my heavenly Father loves me so and gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. And I am thankful for that. And if there's anybody here today who is trusting in their own righteousness, it's not going to work. We can only be confident of heaven. We can only be confident of peace with God by accepting the righteousness of Christ. And the final name is in Ezekiel chapter 48 verse 35. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. This is the vision of Ezekiel for the division of the land and the new temple. Verse 35 says, and the name of the city will be, the Lord is there. Jesus himself told us, I am with you always to the end of the world. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Wherever we are, Jesus is there. I read about a little boy who was scared of the dark and his mother asked him to go out into the yard and get a broom. He was reluctant because it was dark. And his mother reassured him, look, you know, there's nothing to be frightened of. Jesus is there. Are you sure, he said. His mother said, yes, Jesus is always there. So the little boy opened the door slightly and said, Jesus, if you are there, could you pass me the broom? <laughs> For us, after the Lord Jesus had ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us. The Lord is here in this church. That's why we shouldn't neglect coming to church because when we gather together, he has promised to be there with us. In the message translation commentary, Eugene Peterson writes on 1 Corinthians, the church is not a club, but a race. 
It requires training and concentration. It implies a goal. It excludes spectators. Spectators are not in the race. We are runners. If we are in the race, we don't have the time or the energy for complaining. Our eyes are fixed on the goal. And when we reach our heavenly home, yes, we will meet loved ones who have gone before. Yes, it will be far more wonderful than anything that we can think or imagine. But the most important thing of all, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And the Lord Jesus also called himself, <coughs> I am. And he used metaphors which would have scandalized the religious leaders of the day. But he used metaphors that people would easily understand. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Simple everyday words, but words that will make the character and the personality of God more clearly understand. In the castaway film I mentioned earlier, the, the ball not only had a name, Wilson, but he also had a face, which made him seem more real because he had a face and hair. In the Old Testament, God had names, but in the New Testament, God has a face. We see in the Lord Jesus the face of Almighty God. He is the truth and also the way. The way is crucifixion, suffering and death, but he is also the life. It's soon to be Easter, where we can celebrate afresh his resurrection from the grave. And because he has been raised to life, we also will be raised. And what does Jesus call you? He calls you friend. He calls you his beloved. He calls us his bride. So keep running the race that's set before you with eyes on the go.